Welcome to episode 9, it's Experts in Polo Shirts again, and today we're talking about TikTok, or shouldn't you? Did that make sense? No, it didn't. <laughs> Did that's my, TikTok, that's, or shouldn't <laughs> That's my contribution. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Today we'll be talking about the cybersecurity risks of TikTok, why you shouldn't be using it. Or should. Right. Yeah, I think so. we should go around the table and just sort of say where we're at with TikTok like do we use it have we used it do we use it a lot do we not use it a lot mm, I used it scrolled it uninstalled it and that's all I'm saying <laughs> um I can't lie I am an avid user of TikTok can we just quantify avid I mean there were some stats yeah. banded around earlier <laughs> right now the screen time has gone down I'd say it's about two hours a day which is still obscenely bad but you do get caught in the in the loop quite a bit. It's just an endless scroll. I think they call it the dopamine hit. Yeah. That's where the addiction's from. Definitely. I mean, lockdown when everyone was downloading it, I think the the screen time did get above. Yeah, it was getting close. So <laughs> 19 hours a day. That was a wreck. <laughs> but I am cutting down. This is not an AA meeting, just so we know. <laughs> I'm cutting down. I acknowledge that I have a a problem. My yeah. name's Darcy, and I'm a TikTok <laughs> user. <laughs> so I've I've never used TikTok. It never kind of appealed to me. The like the whole idea when it first came out it was just like kids dancing. I was like, okay, this, this isn't for me. Clearly, yeah. Um, the, the demographics not. No, and then and then fitting. I think it sort of came out the security risks about it, and I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to continue not using it. YouTube pretty much does the same job now. So yeah. so security risks. Does anyone know what they are? Yes. Awesome, excellent. Podcast <laughs> complete. Let's yeah. go. Um, They're awesome. <laughs> there's a like, massive collection of data. And then off the back end of that, China's kind of dubious uh, policy to, to be able to collect that data from companies. So is this potentially a really interesting state-sponsored play on IQ downgrading, like on a mass surveillance scale? So we spoke about something previously. In China... TikTok is used for educational purposes yeah. and the content is considered to be like more valuable from a learning perspective for kids. And here, kids are getting like crazy videos that are not going to serve really any educational purpose. Yeah, I can't remember where I've seen this, so don't quote me exactly, but I'm pretty sure there was an article that came out saying that in China, kind of the algorithm and what gets actually promoted to you on your For You page for kind of Chinese children and teenagers and stuff is more educational and is more kind of current about kind of loving China and kind of somewhat propaganda-ish whereas as soon as you kind of go to the same age demographic but in more western yeah. <laughs> sorry more westernized like cultures and stuff it's suddenly um like dancing videos and stuff things that are basically just kind of numb your brain a bit so it's it's interesting to see those comparisons when it's the same kind of age demographic and they may have similar interests. Disinformation is a, is a massive thing. And this is not just TikTok. There is obviously disinformation out there on the internet, as we know. I listened to a podcast recently, My First Million, and uh, those guys were talking about the bank run on Silicon Valley Bank. So it didn't have liquidity because you put your cash into the bank. It's not really there. They invest it into things to help effectively grow the bank. So the bank didn't have that cash on hand. And actually, so you take you take the current scenario, so Silicon Valley Bank, I think it was something like $42 billion withdrawn within the space of like two days or a day. And actually, the issue is that's a self-perpetuating problem. So on Twitter, you go and read about Silicon Valley Bank and, you know, within the space of like an hour, 
there could have been a piece of information online and you've gone and acted upon that information. But the issue was they had liquidity, but they didn't have $42 billion of liquidity. So they couldn't extract capital at the right rate. And because it just all compounded effectively, so all these people going to draw their money out online or, you know, well, mainly online, because I don't think Silicon Valley branch have, I don't think Silicon Valley bank have branches. And then effectively, yeah, they ran out of money. And if you think back to like 1950s, 1960s, people didn't have like, you know, the internet. They had a horse, perhaps a bike, maybe a car. And they might walk to their friend's house and say, hey, you know, have you heard this thing about the bank? You know, you should go and take your money out. And then that person has to get on a horse or walk to the bank, to the branch, to go and sit in a queue to withdraw the money. Whereas now, it's like I go on Twitter, I refresh. There's a piece of information there, whether that's disinformation or not. In this case, the information was true. Like, the speed of action is a lot higher. Like, previously, like, a, a run on the banks might have gone on for weeks or just never really happened. Whereas now, as disinformation, you're acting upon it almost immediately because of the digital age that we live in. So the power of disinformation now, not to say other Silicon Valley Bank thing wasn't disinformation, you know, it was true, but it spread like wildfire, it spreads a lot quicker. So if you can have a mass audience where you can promote something, disinformation, and you can get it out there quickly and control the narrative, then TikTok becomes quite a powerful weapon in terms of, you know, if you're a state-sponsored actor, you can effectively communicate almost any information that you want, like whether that's around COVID or it's around like the war in Ukraine around the financial system or you know anything that happens or a narrative you want to tell i've got like a list here we have a lot of censorship around like chinese state interests um so if you posted a video on that it will very quickly your account will be suspended and it'll be taken down chinese communist party is a big one which they will take down instantly um also like anything political based like Tiananmen square anything like that there was like a girl who posted a video about the kind of supposed concentration camps of muslims and stuff like that on tiktok but she disguised it as a makeup video like a makeup tutorial so she was kind of doing a makeup and then she'd have kind of in small writing around each corner of the video references to what was actually going on so it stayed up for a while and then it obviously got found and her entire account got suspended and she wasn't allowed to go back obviously on the platform after that so it kind of shows like how severe the censorship is on a lot of issues to do with China itself. So it must have some sort of control there. Yeah, I wonder if it starts out like, um, it's a little bit censorship here of this thing that we don't really want you to see. And then eventually when China invades Taiwan, it's, oh no, we've not actually invaded Taiwan. Yeah. And then you've got loads of people, this is a special loads operation. of people in the West, yeah, like loads of people in the West saying, oh yeah, well, it, I don't believe it's true because I saw this thing on TikTok, like, well. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is exactly the kind of disinformation it leads to at a rapid scale. But it's it they'll they'll hold on to it. No, they won't use it just willy nilly. They'll hold on to it until they they really need to use it. Yeah, I guess it's a card to play at peak if you're going to do that. You know, if the rumors are true and it is. I mean, this is know, starting to sound. This is starting yeah. to sound like a, a bit of a conspiracy theory. It podcast. is. Yeah, we're, we're, it's not that kind of podcast. Just <laughs> um, I think the big thing from a cybersecurity perspective is it's data collection. Yeah. So we're talking about you view what content you like. The algorithm will know based on the stuff that you watch, the kind of things that you like. So if you're into cars, you watch TikToks of cars, you like them, it'll know you're into cars. It'll know that within your demographic of individual who like cars, who like kitchenware, who like bread videos, you're more likely to like this thing. And not only that, when you upload images or you upload videos, your facial recognition data is effectively able to be captured. So those videos you upload are stored on a server somewhere. If someone had the compute power, which I'm sure they do, to capture your face into a set of data points, 
they could use that to carry out facial recognition in China or anywhere where they've got the capability to do so. You know, not to say that they are doing that, but surely they're a Chinese company that's state-backed and, you know, effectively controlled by the state. How can you be sure that your data is not returning back up in China? With kind of the stuff that TikTok exclusively, like, says it does collect, it's file names even, like, on your phone, obviously collects your browsing history, even your keystroke pattern, so it can then, like, detect, well, basically what you're typing and what you're sending to people as well. Um, I wonder if uh, I wonder if that, that keystroke patterns, is if, if you could pick up, like on sort of patterns you're more used to. So if you're putting a password in, like you're more used to putting that combination of letters in, if it could actually figure out a password from your like comfort level of getting from one letter to another. Maybe. Kind of spitballing here a bit, but. I feel like that's something that Apple would close down pretty quick because that's effectively like their touch API is getting used there to, I don't know, be cool if it was. Yeah, but obviously, like your age, image, relationship status, all those kind of things. But then I suppose, like, the question is although they're picking up on all these data points and they're collecting all this data, how different is it to what Meta, for example, like Facebook and Instagram would know? Because I mean, obviously, there was that trial, wasn't there, with Mark Zuckerberg and kind of about the data it was collecting. How dissimilar are those things? And is it just a TikTok concern obviously with who owns it and it being a Chinese-based company or should we equally be concerned about kind of Facebook and Meta and the other social platforms that are still collecting all this data? Well obviously we had the Cambridge Analytica, Cambridge Analytica scandal with uh, data. I won't name names but I've come across companies that were utilizing Facebook-like data to influence customer journey decisions um so it, that sort of stuff's been going on for a long time like harvesting facebook data to actually facilitate sales and help understand your target audience more clearly but yeah i guess cambridge analytica came along and proved actually you know there's a lot more data collection than meets the eye and actually it's the ability to reach people you know, if, i don't know the ins and outs of it but if that tv program is anything to be believed with benedict coming back in where they it, it talks about the story of cambridge analytica and how they won the, the brexit vote mm. Um, and how Cambridge Analytica about its influence. And I'm sure it is dramatised slightly. If you've got all these people that are non-voters that you can target through these platforms. And again, it's disinformation, isn't it? You know, the ability to quickly spread information online through Facebook and to create sponsored posts and content and to distribute that from potentially tens or hundreds of, of bot accounts. There's actually a place in Russia, the name escapes me. We should definitely Google it. Yeah, there's basically a place in Russia that is known for, I think it's like Gav, Gavi, the troll factory, Glasvet. So it's called Glasvet. That's the Russian research agency. Wikipedia says Internet Research Agency, IRA, also known as Glavset, also known in Russian internet slang as the trolls of old Gino, is a Russian company engaged in online propaganda and influence operations on behalf of Russian businesses and political interests. Interests. The rumour is there's a thousand employees that work in that facility spreading disinformation and creating troll accounts. That could be used to you know, tell a particular narrative or support a particular narrative. And I think it's probably quite hard to know. Knowing that, I remember seeing during COVID a lot of stuff that I thought that's probably a bot account like that's, or a troll account. That's probably someone spreading disinformation. The thing is, it's education. It's something no one really talks about, like Glavset or Glasvet existed. And um, you'd be surprised there's a thousand people that work there whose only job is to troll people. Yeah, some of those like comments that you see, they are trolls until they're not because people pick up on it and they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, then other people become like the trolls. Tools. 
Yeah. Have you seen the? <laughs> so, 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 so to support the whole disinformation thing, have you seen the Stephen Bartlett pitch deck for Social Chain and what they did? So there's um, a really cool case that they did for themselves, which was they created a false football player with a view to get it trending and see if they could get PR off the back of it. So they came up with a name. I think they picked a picture off the internet of this player and created like a history for them. And they disseminated this information through their various social pages. So Social Chain owned like a bunch of Facebook pages, I think maybe some Twitter accounts. And they basically put this out there and then they got all the accounts to play off each other about this amazing new player. And all of a sudden there are retweets coming in on Twitter. People are tweeting about this new player that's going to sign for such and such a club. And it gained momentum on its own. And the next day they had like, you know, all these different sports websites and newspapers publishing about this player that's supposedly going to sign, but the player doesn't exist. And these media outlets had published it. And it was all effectively social chain proving that they could shape the narrative for their customers. I think one of the like scary things is, especially kind of with TikTok and misinformation is, a lot of people are using TikTok almost as a search engine now. I mean, there was a thing that came out a couple of months ago where it was saying it could compete with Google with kind of the amount of searches it's getting. I mean, Google obviously is fantastic and but there's a lot of misinformation there too. But if you went onto TikTok and you were thinking, oh, okay, well, I want to know about a certain supplement or I want to know about someone's personal experience, you're more likely to find a real person talking about their exact experience taking a supplement or doing a certain activity or going somewhere like you'll get a more personal response so but if you're searching for things like that whether it be taking certain medications or if it's certain workouts or whatever it is you're searching for the amount of misinformation you could be getting by using that as a search engine I think especially for people of a younger generation who are kind of just starting getting social media and stuff like that they'll be even more heavily influenced because it's all they know really do we ever question the misinformation of Google? And if, if Google gives misinformation, and well, I guess Google's just a search it's not engine. Infa- but not infallible, but there's certain factors that control the algorithm in Google that mean that bad content doesn't rank. Hmm. So, if I guess if a piece of content took off and got a lot of traffic, and people stayed and read it, and the signals were that it was quality, Google might not know the difference. But I think they're probably smart enough to know when disinformation is happening. Not that they manually review all the search rankings, but they, they would see, for example, so one signal is like, oh, they spent a lot of time on the page and they scrolled and went through the rest of the website. That's a good signal. But if they went to the page and bounced immediately, Google might go, is this page really relevant for this search term? I guess this is assuming Google doesn't want a narrative out there for no bad words about Google. I don't know. Like I've never heard it. Google's um, tagline or whatever it is, it's, it's do no harm or so do no bad or something what? Like I don't that. know exactly, but I know their ads product is super restrictive. Like it's, I think it's probably one of the more mature ad platforms, and that's why they make so much money. Mm. Whereas Facebook, I think, has still got some way to go, and in terms of like maturing that ad product because of the content review that goes on inside of Facebook. I mean, one of the scary things about kind of like Google Ads platform as well, it's a lot more restrictive in the UK than it is things like the US. So, if you had a Google Ads account in the US, you could actually see what phone provider people are on and who what phone they have and what OS models which is what TikTok can do as well which again kind of blurs the lines of okay what is efficient in like your data privacy across I don't know if you class Google as a social platform but like across all the platforms that can collect your data obviously there's more regulations and stuff with kind of Google and Facebook and 
well there is now with Facebook and some more of these social platforms but with TikTok there doesn't seem to be any of that regulation it's okay at least with Google you know they're going to be targeting ads at you for certain things and that's the reason they're collecting that data so Vodafone doesn't have to advertise to Vodafone customers they can vote like advertise to EE for example but TikTok hasn't got that as much yeah so TikTok have got an ads product which I think they've been working on I think you can buy ads on I suppose the data collection some of it certainly supports the ads products I mean anything that's free you are the product you've got to accept that we know that these days and um, those data points can make quite a powerful ads product to sell direct to consumer so maybe some of it is warranted and actually the ads product might be really powerful for selling goods to people I suspect there's a lot of DCC brands doing a hell of a lot of revenue through TikTok ads already. So maybe some of that data collection is warranted, but the question is, of that data collection that goes into the ads product that builds that, how much is there that's getting siphoned off to something where it shouldn't be? Mm. I mean... Um, yeah, we don't know. The Chinese government has passed a law that means that they can siphon that off whenever they want, as they please. Well, we haven't read, I haven't read the press release, but I assume that TikTok have come out and said that all data is not stored in China and that no data goes back there as far as they're concerned. But... What's the reality of that? I watched a really interesting Netflix documentary on this and it was, um, I think it was called The Great China Hustle. And it was talking effectively about these like sham companies where like they would monitor like these huge warehouses or factories that were supposedly generating like, let's say hundreds of millions in, in revenue. And they would monitor these factories and five people would come and go all day. And it's effectively just a sham business. People were starting to question like some of the other Chinese businesses actually, were they doing what they said they were on paper? Trust no one. <laughs> Don't trust anybody. These companies that are recommending you don't use TikTok, there has to be a reason for it. Like It's not just companies, it's yeah, governments. It's governments are like saying don't use it. Many governments across the world. And I think it will be related to you sharing a lot of sensitive personal data points. We don't necessarily know the extent of what that is because it's a black box, because it's in China. I mean, even like organizations and companies now have come out and said the same thing. So like Amazon have said, if you have a work phone, you're not allowed to install it. And some other big companies as well. I can't name off the top of my head, but it's showing not that you would potentially download something like that on your work phone, but it's showing they obviously don't want certain information to be accessible. Yeah, for sure. I'm banning TikTok on company phones. We don't have company phones. <laughs> exactly. It's easy to do. <laughs> To be fair, I wouldn't have TikTok on my personal phone, but I probably would consider it on a company phone because I feel like, well, that's that's departed from me <sighs> just no about phone enough. For you. That's it. I'll scrap and scrap in the policy. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a few people in the office have TikTok. I'm sure they do, but um, yeah, it's not for me. I definitely won't be installing it now for sure. And people send me stuff on it, and I get the link, and I go and watch it on the web play, and I think, nah, I'll just not bother. I'm just not installing it. They can still send me videos if they want to, and then it still tries to force me into installing the app, but I'm like, no. With kind of YouTube bringing out shorts and Instagram and Facebook having now reels and they're getting more popular. And like, even if you go onto like all kind of social apps are now trying to do it. So you, even if you go onto things like Snapchat, you have like some weird version as well. And I mean, it's everywhere now. And it's that short form content, which I think is why TikTok got as big as it was at the time, because it was the lack of attention span. Whereas the main kind of after Vine, there wasn't really anything like that everyone kind of switched to youtube these longer format videos but everyone's attention spans are getting shorter and it's like you said earlier it's for dopamine the dopamine hit that you get from these short form videos so kind of enticing people that way is really the only reason it got so big but all the kind of tiktok content seems to be getting recycled onto kind of instagram and 
Facebook and then onto YouTube as well with them also looking now at ways to monetize it as well. So people will continue to post on their platforms and not go back to things like TikTok. Yeah. At the minute there's this thing called TikTok shop and, but it's blown up to like massive extent. So basically anybody who posts on TikTok can add a shopping link and it'll connect to their, it's basically they've made their own Amazon. It's like an Amazon storefront, but just TikTok. So obviously whoever's advertising on there gets commission for everything that's sold. And then the actual companies are getting the rest of it. But every other video now, and it seemed as though the ad laws with this TikTok shop are a bit blurred. So you don't have to exclusively say it's an ad if you're posting, oh my God, look at this product. I love it. Like click the link now, you can get your own. Yeah, but the Advertising Standards Agency will definitely clamp down on that super quick. You'd think, but it's been kind of like that for a few months now where they don't necessarily say ad. And then the TikTok lives are getting really interesting as well. So you can kind of almost a bit like Twitch, but you send gifts to people. And TikTok say, take, I think it is a 70% cut of that. And the user actually only gets 30% of whatever gifts they get. So they're kind of making it even more so of a monetary platform as well. But a lot of these shopping lives and things like that, it's almost... Like they've taken away from, what's a big shopping channel in America? QVC. QVC. It's almost literally like they've taken QVC and put it into TikTok. People will sit there on the lives, they'll do flash discounts, like all of a sudden, bam, it's £1.99 if you order right now and I'll throw in this and I'll throw in that. And but, It was only 199 <laughs> 10 hours ago. <laughs> but it's really interesting. All these like kind of, they're getting influencers in and doing things like that. I know that there's a quite a few big shopping brands and things like that who are starting to do it as well and sell their clothes. And there's a company called Cider who's getting quite big, like a women's clothes company who have started doing it a lot. Boohoo have started doing it. Um, loads of different kind of shopping things. Scrub Daddy, a big one, who kind of started off on QVC and now is massive on TikTok and getting that exposure there. But it's really interesting just to see they're almost trying to take every platform like thing that's worked in terms of like QVC they've got like streaming you can stream gaming on there now as well what's the cut on the shop don't know on the shop but I know with the gifts from Alive and stuff like that so people can gift them 7030 to TikTok well I've seen an extract of someone's podcast I think it was or like there's like KSI and some of the guys on this podcast talking so I've got x million followers on TikTok I've had x million views in the past x number of days and what did you get paid I got like 300 quid no. It just doesn't pay its creators as well. And I think that's that's the problem it's going to have as a platform. With all this distrust out there, how many DCC brands are going to want to have their shops served through that? If Especially if they don't end up owning the customer. If you own the customer, it's probably not too bad. But if you have to transact everything through the platform and then give away a huge chunk of margin, which in I guess in direct consumer can sometimes be quite thin. I think it's interesting as well because with them not paying the create as well, it makes creators more inclined to get these kind of sponsorships and stuff. So they're more inclined to kind of carry on promoting things, even if they're not a fan of a product, because if they want to be a content creator full-time, especially on something like TikTok, and they're not getting paid for it, they're going to rely on these kind of sponsorships and these this ad revenue, basically, from companies like wanting to send them gifts and everything like that. So the more we kind of create these influences on social media like TikTok. But yeah, the more distrust there's going to be because they're going to be promoting constantly like products they're actually not a fan of and it's going to create that again. 
Thanks for watching or listening to this episode of Experts in Polo Shirts. If you like what you heard, <laughs> check out our YouTube channel. Unsubscribe there too. Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>